I have a message today that I titled, Redemption is Here. Redemption is Here. I want us to put uh, that scripture up that we normally say so that God can open our eyes. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Redemption is here. On Easter Day, there is nothing better to know and to accept than to know that redemption is here. Redemption means bringing us back to the original form. What was taken away from us has to be restored, renewed. That's what God wants to do. It's an amazing thing that the devil does not allow people of the world Today is Easter, including scientists, to thoroughly investigate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm amazed. We just said, well, he rose. But nobody is really thinking about what really happened. This is the greatest thing that's happened on the earth. There is nothing greater. Coronavirus, that's nothing. This is saying a human being actually died and after three days he rose from the dead and he's still alive to today. Thousands of years after, he's still here today. 2,000 years. That's a lot of years. And the Bible says he rose from the dead. Satan doesn't want them looking at it. If you will look at it carefully and investigate it for yourself seriously, Understanding, we're saying Jesus is God. God died on the cross and he rose again and he's alive. If you want to investigate it, you can do it. But Satan will not let you go there. He wants you to focus on other things about life. Prosperity, having a home and having children, getting married, every other thing except this. That is most important. And I know why he does that. Because investigating it from the heart, what you really want to know is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Because if you go into it, it will change your life. It will change your life, eventually. It will change your life. Because of everyone that I've read about that actually went into this and tried to investigate if this is true, what Christians are saying, this is the core of Christianity. That he rose, he died and rose again. Different from every other religion. And Satan doesn't want the people of the world to investigate that. Because if they do, their lives will be changed. They will be made a new person. The devil doesn't like this. Now let me say this. The devil made a serious mistake. And he paid a serious price for it. If you look in scripture, the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you before Jesus died. I'm not going to talk to you much anymore. He says the Holy Spirit is going to do all the talking after this. It says, for the ruler of this world. So there was a ruler of this world. The ruler of this world is coming. Coming after Jesus. But Jesus said, he has nothing in me. He was the ruler of the world. And then Paul gave us another, another opening to understand what was happening in the spirit realm about the time Jesus was about to die. This had been prophesied long time ago. Jesus was going to the cross and Jesus knew exactly what he was going to go through. So Jesus was going to that cross and, and Satan was coming after it because he planned, I'm going to kill him. And he turned everybody in the land, especially the authorities, turned them against Jesus, even though the popular people, the people around, they, they believed in him. But they were powerless. And sometimes, as you read the scriptures, it seems like they even changed. And were calling for his death. That's an amazing thing. Well, who was behind all of that? The enemy, Satan. He thought he was having the upper hand. 
He was going to destroy this man that caused him so much problem for three years. I've got to destroy him. That was what he thought. But Paul tells us, but we speak the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery. This thing is a mystery. It's the, the, the life of Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection, is a mystery. And if you have a, an open heart and you really want to investigate it, something is going to change in your life. Because the mystery of God will be revealed to you. Which is the wisdom of God that's above every wisdom. God took Satan in a way that Satan never expected it. And made him to pay a serious price for his mistake. He thought he was having the, the upper hand. He says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom. The hidden wisdom which God ordained. Before the ages, for what? For our glory. It was for our glory. The world cannot understand it. First Corinthians 2 verse 14, it says, The natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God. You, they don't understand it. It's a mystery. But God is willing to open up that mystery for everyone who desires to really investigate and to have an open mind, I'm going to go into this, this resurrection of Jesus Christ. A man died and he rose again. I've got to investigate this thing. And if you investigate it, you'll find that Jesus is still alive. And he can touch your life. And he'll change your life. He says it's a mystery. And God reserved it for our glory. The wisdom of God in a mystery ordained before the ages. Before the world was for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age, you see, the ruler coming, but he has nothing in me. None of the rulers of this age knew. The devil didn't know because God had hidden it. He was just acting out of what he knew. This was serious, hidden in the heart of God. And it's an amazing thing that God will reveal his mystery to us as his dear children. For our glory. For our glory. And the enemy doesn't understand it. So whatever you are going through in your life, remember what Jesus has done for you. Satan thinks he's having the upper hand, but when it's through, the ordained glory for your life is going to appear. Every time. If you don't fear, as Jesus said, if you only believe. If you only believe. He will walk through for you. It was ordained for our glory. The rulers of this world, they didn't know. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they knew it, what it was going to cost Satan and his kingdom, they would say, stay away from him. No one will crucify him, love him, leave him alone. He didn't understand that. He thought he was having the upper hand. He's got everybody now on his side. We're going to destroy him. And that's all. Everything that Jesus has spoken, he's supposed to know the word. But he didn't know the word. Jesus made it clear. I'll rise again. He forgot all of that. In his frenzy, he wanted to kill him. He was happy. I got Pilate. I got Herod. I got all these ones, all the leaders and the people on my side. And they're saying now, wow, all the demons are excited about this. We've got him now. We got him now. The people are saying, crucify him. Oh, beautiful to hear. Crucify him. They were in a frenzy. But they didn't know the wisdom of God. That in destroying Jesus, you destroy yourself and your kingdom. You lose your kingdom that you got from Adam, from the garden all way back there. It's gone from you. They had no idea. They thought now, no opposition in the world. This was the one. He can't oppose us. We'll kill him. And then after this, we can now rule the world. That was a serious mistake. That was a serious mistake. It's amazing what, when you read the scriptures and see what was going on. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, they were saying in Matthew 27 verse 40, uh, 40 they were saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, 
forgiven. They're talking about this resurrection, but they didn't understand what was going on. And guess who was speaking through them? Demons. They thought they had the upper hand. <laughs> you would, you know, you, you, you destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. You know that, that we got you now. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Have you heard that? If you are the son of God before, turn bread, uh, turn stone into bread so you can eat. It's the same thing here. We got you pinned this time. We got you, got, we got you real good. That's what they thought. But it's an amazing thing. If you, if you look at the scripture there, as you study the word of God, even the leaders, they were saying, you saved others. Save yourself. And they mocked him on the cross. He wasn't replying. They had no clue. They said the same thing. You destroy, you destroy the temple and build it in three days. They said the same thing. They had no clue. They thought they got him. But no sooner that the Jesus was killed and was buried, they suddenly remembered. <laughs> We've made a serious mistake. I'm sure they were, the demons were crying. What are we going to do now? This, we shouldn't have done this. And, and they said, the, the leaders, they had to walk through the leaders. They said, we made the mistake. He's going to rise. But if he comes back again, we'll kill him again. How can you kill somebody who, who was dead and is back to life by himself? You can see how they didn't understand the mystery. I mean, you killed him. He's back again. You're going to kill him again? He'll come right back. How are you going to do that? We think the devil is so smart. But boy, I've never seen somebody this dumb. I mean, when you have the mystery and the wisdom of God in the mystery inside of you, you see how dumb devils are. They think they are having the upper hand, but no, they are making a serious mistake. When they attack you, they are making the serious, a serious mistake because God turns everything that comes against your life, good and bad, for good. All things work together for good. Because that has been ordained for our glory. That has been ordained for our glory. The Bible says in Matthew 27 verse 6, they, say, say, they went to Pilate. They said, Pilate, now you need to help us. They suddenly remember. They said, sir, we remember. Why didn't you remember when you were killing him? We remember while he was still alive. How that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise. Why why didn't they remember before they killed him? Why were they so much in frenzy? They didn't understand what they were doing. Now Satan is panicking. His demons are panicking. They don't know what to do. They want to use the authority to help them kill Jesus when when when, when he's raised from the dead. Jesus was prophesied way back in the garden. He was going to be here. He was the one that was going to save us. After Adam, and everybody knows, everyone is a sinner. Everyone is sinned against God. But God can make a saint out of a sinner because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. A saint out of a sinner. After Adam sinned, he had no way of knowing how to go back to his original form. His life was changed. Adam could not undo what he had done. It was already done. And you also have done things, you can't undo it. And sometimes it's secret, and you are harboring that thing, and it's destroying you. There's nothing you can do to undo what you've done. The only person that could change Adam was God himself. You can do it yourself. You need God and the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring that to you. That's the only solution we have as humans. We couldn't go back to Adam's original form when he was in the garden. Adam didn't know how to do it. Adam had no clue. But God was gracious to us. And he spoke right after Adam's sin. Because this was ordained before the foundation of the world for our glory. He spoke. He, says, he said in Genesis 3 verse 15, 
Jesus is the seed of the woman. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. Who's the devil's seed? <laughs> Have you thought about that? His demons and all of those people, they followed him. Her seed and your seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He, Jesus, is the seed of the woman born by Mary, a virgin. And that's been fulfilled. He is the savior of the world. God was saying, I'm going to put an enmity. You got friendship with this person now. You, Adam became Satan's child, as it is. But God was going to change all of that through the seed. And that was prophesied over and over again. They all knew. It was an amazing thing. Jacob knew Jesus was coming. If you read the scripture, Jacob, when he prayed for Judah, he talked about Jesus coming to the world. They all knew. Joseph knew Jesus was coming. They all knew. And he's going from generation to generation. And they all prophesied. They knew Jesus was coming. And he was the, the deliverer. The one that will redeem us. And bring us back to our original form. And the authority that God is giving to us. All of that through Jesus. He, they knew that Jesus was coming. And some of them wished that they, were, they lived at the time Jesus arrived here on earth. They looked forward to it. Jo Jacob said to um, Judah, until Shiloh comes. Shiloh is Jesus. Until he comes. Jacob knew. But he came. Moses knew. And Moses said in this word, you can study the scripture. In Deuteronomy verse 18, verse 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them and all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he, shall, which he speaks, in my name, I will require it of them, of him. So basically, Moses is saying, Jesus is coming. And if you're human, you need to hear him. And if you don't hear him, you don't obey him. He was the word of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1, he was the word. In the beginning was the word. That's another beginning. Just like Genesis, in the beginning. There's another beginning in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. Jesus was the word of God. He was with God in the beginning. He was also God. He says all things were made by him. So Jesus was God until he came to the earth and became a man. So we have a man who is also God. Jesus of Nazareth. That's what Moses was prophesying. And you can look at the scriptures. Notice when Moses was born, they were looking to kill children. Remember that? They had to hide Moses. The same thing happened to Jesus. When he was born, they were killed. Herod wanted to kill him and killed a lot of children trying to get to him. Moses recognized there's going to be another one like me. And he, Moses was in the wilderness and from the wilderness he came to bring deliverance. The same thing with Jesus. So Jesus is that Messiah that God has sent. And this is what he's done for us. In Isaiah 53 verse 5 he says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. Your sins brought wounds to, he, to Jesus. If you read the scriptures, you will see how much pain he had to endure. The beating. And they plucked his beard from his face. How painful that could be. A crown of thorns on his head. He was wounded because of us. Because of my sins. Because of your sins. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. In other words, everything that Adam did and everything that we've done, everything, the punishment for it was laid on Jesus Christ so that we can walk free. How great is this love? Jesus understood what he was going to go through for us. 
And he himself said, for God so loved the world, he knew the price that God had to pay to set us free. His life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why? For him to die in our place. Just like Isaiah was saying. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace. What will really bring us peace was laid upon him. And you there at home today, as you watch, this is available to you. God has made this available to you. If you have no peace, you're depressed, you're frustrated in life. No, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him today and welcome him into your life. There's a reason why you are connected here. He wants you. And you should want him. He wants to have you in his family. And you can have that peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. All we, that's you and I, before we found Jesus, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid on him all my iniquities on Jesus. And if my iniquities went on to Jesus, I don't have any iniquity. You might say, but I don't think you are perfect. I know that. But he took my iniquities. And I don't have them anymore. I'm righteous before God. You are righteous before God because of what Jesus did. He carried that thing from us. Took everything. All our iniquities, God laid upon him. In verse 11, he says, He shall see the labor of his soul. That's a lot of labor. And notice, not his labor, labor of his soul. It was so deep. So deep. And he was be, and, and be satisfied. God was satisfied. In other words, when Jesus said on the cross, It is finished, the Father says, yeah, we got it done. They are now free to be a part of our family. Because God created us in the first place in his own image, in his likeness. No angel was created like God. They were not in his likeness. They were not like in his image. But he made us, you and I, no matter what you think about yourself, he made you and I just like him. We are in the same class. Hallelujah. That's why he gave Adam so much authority on the earth. Basically, he was saying to Adam, I rule the heavens and you govern the earth. And everything that's on the earth. Adam lost all of that. But now Jesus is restoring that to us. He shall see the labor of his soul, he will be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. And I'm grateful to God, I'm justified. Amen. You can't be justified today on this Easter. What a day to receive Jesus into your life. I was born again on Easter day. I wish that happened to me, but not, not in my own case. But for you, you could. You, just by making a decision today, if you're watching from home. He shall, because he says, for he shall bear their iniquities. He shall bear their iniquities. That's so exciting. I want to share with you some of the benefits a little bit. The words of God to Adam after Adam sinned. He says, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Please don't read more into that, okay? You have to listen to your wife, okay? But in this case, he shouldn't have. <laughs> listen, the important thing there is this. Adam was the one, Adam wasn't deceived. He did what he did by choice. Adam didn't, the Satan didn't talk to Adam. Satan deceived Eve. And lied to Eve. Adam wasn't there. Adam did it by choice. That's the problem. And when God came, he was ad addressing Adam. Because Adam did it by choice. Just like we, when we sin, we do it by choice. Adam did it by choice. So God was going to talk to Adam. To the woman, the seed of the, wom the, seed of the woman was going to bruise. But Adam, that's different. That's different. 
It says, because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree. He probably wanted to eat the tree. He just needs somebody to tell it from the tree. He just needs somebody to push him a little bit. Oh, yes, I'll eat now. <laughs> Which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Whose sake? Not for Eve's sake, for Adam's sake. Cursed is the ground for your sake. But Eve will have to pay the price as well. Because if the ground is cursed, it's not just for Adam, but it was for the sake of Adam that everybody had suffering. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. Everything comes from the ground. All the days of your life. Both sons and thistle shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your brow, the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. You see, every time there is redemption, there's got to be blood. There's got to be blood. As you read that scripture, the only thing God said to Adam, by the sweat of your face, you eat bread, because the ground is cursed. And also, the ground, all they bring is thistle. That's all you get. Thorns. Thistle. Guess what happened? That was the Garden of Eden. But then there is another garden. And Jesus was in that garden. Very, taking on our sin at this point because it was coming on him. And guess what happened? Jesus sweated. He sweated. Eternal sweat from heaven. He sweated. Not only that, he sweated just like God told Adam you will sweat to survive. Now Jesus was sweating for us in redemption. But sweat alone is not enough. We need blood. So he sweated blood as well. To free us. That's our redemption. We don't have to sweat anymore. All we need to do, Jesus said, if you can only believe. If you can only believe. If you can only believe. All things are possible. Something in John chapter 6, so he says, what can we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God. Believe on him whom we have sent. The key thing for us believers, for you at home, believe. Notice, Jesus had word the, thorns, the crown of thorns. What did God say? Thorns. That's what the ground will yield for you. Now, because he wore that crown, and the crown, not just the thorns on his head, for when, but there was blood. There was blood, blood of redemption. We now no longer have to suffer the ground producing, which God can produce for us. So we can say fully, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He did that for us. Jesus did that for us. In Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. He was praying for us. And his sweat was at his wear, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Notice, he can say, why do you have to say the ground? Why do you have to say the ground? I mean, if you see, if you're sweating that bad, you'll fall to someone. You don't have to say that. But God was specific to the ground. The ground is no longer cursed. The ground is no longer cursed. Your life is no longer cursed. Not for your sake. You're free now. You can go wherever, trusting God, believing God, and He will do this for us. That's the Word of God. Redemption is here because the Savior is here. The Savior is here with us. I don't think Adam knew how to find God after he sinned. Instead, he was running away from him. He didn't want to be near him. 
God had to seek him out. That was the garden. But when he sent his son, when Jesus came, Jesus proclaimed to us, to the whole world, he said, God sent his son, for the son of man has come. Not going to come, he's here. Has come to seek and to find that which was lost, was from the time of Adam. Now he's seeking you. You at home today, God's seeking you. God's been looking for you. You're so dear to him, but you say, oh, I've been so wicked. What would God want to do with me? He's still seeking you. The word of God is established in heaven. That's the truth. God's still seeking you. No matter what's going on in your life, God, even if you're a Christian, you've made mistakes, and now you don't feel worthy to be in his presence, he's still seeking you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. If anything is missing in your life, God wants to restore it. He's not just seeking you, he's seeking all your good. He's seeking everything for your good. He wants to do that for you. That's why he came. Imagine God left his throne in heaven to come flesh, to be among us. The Bible tells us that in John chapter 1. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why Jesus came. And he's still here today seeking you to bring you back to your father in heaven. And to restore everything that has been lost in your life. Everything that the enemy did to you until this very day. You can receive Jesus into your life. And as you received him, say many have received him. I have. I saw the change he brought into my life. Right from the very first day, I made up my mind, I'm going to seek this Jesus. I don't want to go to hell. I'm going to seek him. Instantly. Never even aware that my life has changed. And as I thought about some of the things I was doing, I recalled from them. I didn't want to do those things anymore. Because the power of redemption comes into your heart and you are like Adam before he sinned. And you don't want anything to, to, to destroy that. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. In John chapter 1, beginning from verse 10, I already said that. He says, he was in the world. God came to us as a human being. We cannot have a greater honor than that. That God himself became a man. He says he was in the world. And the world was made through him. There's only one God. This is the same God that created the world. He became a human being. And he lived among us. Oh, I wish that these disciples knew who they were standing around. I mean, I will have a million questions. How did you put this tower for there? What were you thinking before you got this? They didn't know that. They thought they were dealing with Messiah, just a man. It was later after his death, it became clear to them. Even the brother of Jesus, he didn't recognize he was living with God himself. He had no clue. If I live with God in my house, <laughs> I would have nothing. Hey, can you make us stuff? Can you give us this? We're having problems. I believe he was the greatest carpenter with new inventions. And all the, the people in, in Nazareth saying, hey, just go to that son of Joseph. He can do anything. I mean, he can make you chairs like you've never seen. He was a carpenter. Joseph, uh, uh, James didn't believe. I believe that James actually saw Jesus on the cross. I mean, even if you have something against your brother, when they're dying that way, you have empathy. And I'm sure he was watching his brother. And he's saying, I told you not to do, go to the Jews like this. They'll kill you. Now they killed you. Look at what's going on. And then a few days later, his brother is standing before him. James never calls himself brother of Jesus. The other disciples call him brother of Jesus. He says, I am the servant. I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not a brother. You guys can call me his brother. But I am a servant because I live with God. I didn't recognize it, and now I know it. I lived with God in the same house. And we have the same privilege today. We can live with God because he came to seek 
and to save that which was lost. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. It's the same thing that's happening today. You don't know Jesus. I know him. And I want to introduce him to you. And you, if you are a believer, take this into your heart. It's very important. The world did not know him, but you know him. Rejoice in that. There are a lot of blind people that can see in the world. They can see naturally, but spiritually, they're blind. And the Bible tells us that. I pray that God would open your eyes today. If you're a new Christian or a Christian in the world, may God show you, give you revelation, open your eyes to see what God has done for you. How much blessings God has brought into our lives through the death of Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he tells us, you don't need to put that up, he tells us very clearly that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. So when it comes to living for God, he's provided for you to be able to do that. He says he will put his spirit in you and cause you to walk in his statutes. And he says, you will keep my judgments and do them. You will keep my judgments and do them. Not me, you will. And I believe that. God is the one that's going to move you to obedience. He was in the world. The world did not know him. He came to his own people, the Jews that God chose. And his own people did not receive him. They didn't receive him. But then he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right. That word comes with power. He gave the right to become children of God. When you become a child of God, you have his DNA. And you have his power and authority as well. You have that. They become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Just believing in the name of Jesus makes you a child of God. Just trusting in that name. Because his name takes its place in his absence. And his name is really alive. You call on the name and power. Power comes down. Healing takes place. You can call upon his name today. And be well. Call on his name. He came to redeem you. Call on his name against the problem that Satan has brought into your life. Because you don't have that. It shouldn't be there. Call on his name. He brought redemption to us. To bring things to its original form. Amen. Jesus declared to us in John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief. Hey, let me let you know. There is a thief on the loose. He's all over the place. He said in Job, uh, I'm going to and fro in the world, right? To and fro. He's, ev- he's everywhere. A- and he knows you. <laughs> he knows who Job was. And he knew the relationship Job had with God. So he's there. He's called the thief. Not a thief. He's the thief. If anything is missing in your life, guess who stole it from you? <laughs> if anything is broken in your life, guess who did it? He's the thief. He says, Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's what Jesus came for. You can have abundant life. I don't care what you're going through in your life. Jesus is on your side. Jesus will take up for you. As you as a believer, you are in a privileged place. A privileged place. I like to say the word, can't touch this. Because it says, no weapon, as a believer, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The weapon is formed against you, but it's not going anywhere. Why? No weapon formed against And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, God says, put it down. Condemn it. Just, just by speaking. As a child of God, because you have been redeemed, filled with the Holy Spirit, you got power. Just speak. Just speak. You speak his word. He says, no weapon will formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, condemn it. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of God. I thank God I'm a servant of God. I thank God you are a servant of God. You are a child of God. 
is your inheritance. And then God says, and their righteousness is from me. Their righteousness, that's my righteousness. You can't be more righteous than God's righteousness. Uh, try. You'll fail like crazy. But when you come to Jesus, he gives you his righteousness. And, you can, and, and his righteousness transforms you. And everyone can see his righteousness is on your life. That's what he came to do. And when God sees righteousness, God blesses the righteous. He surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield. That's the God we serve. He says, I have come that you may have life. And life is not that, oh, okay, I have life. I am breathing. That's not what he's talking about. I can breathe and I can go to sleep. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about life, everything that pertains to life. Your car, your house, your children, your marriage, everything. That's part of life. All of it. I came that you might have life. And then he says, I want you to have that life more abundantly. I believe that. I don't have to depend on I got to trust him for what he said. And I've got to stay with what he said. And I'm not bending from what he said. I don't have to experience it today. I know his word cannot return to him void. I have to stay with his word and his word will manifest as it's, it's, uh, it's season. I want to show you how you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those of you that are saved, you're already saved. That's, that's, I'm not talking to you this time. I'm talking to those who don't know Jesus and you want to know him. Sometimes it's so hard. You say, how can I know Jesus? What, 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 what do you mean by knowing Jesus? I don't see him. But I tell you, if you do what I'm going to share with you from the scriptures, you'll see him. You may not see him with your eyes, but your spirit will see him. And you will know. You won't have it. Nobody can make you doubt. You know. You know. In Romans chapter 10, it says, but what does it say? How do I become righteous? What does the scripture say about becoming righteous before God? He says, the word is near you. It's a word. It's a word. The word is near you. Why? Jesus is the word. The word is near you. Every time you pick up the scripture and you read, guess what? The word the word, Jesus is right next to you. Right next to you. And when he, he's there to give you understanding of who he is. You know, in the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, how Jesus revealed to them, and boy, he says, didn't our heart burn? As if their eyes were being opened, and they understood the scripture. They were filled with joy. It says, the word is near you in your mouth. The word is in your mouth. That's what God is saying. The word is in your mouth and in your heart. When you hear the words that I'm speaking to you today, you understand it because God is giving you understanding. Now it's up to you. You have the word. That's what the scripture says. The word is near you, it's in, even in your mouth. And even in your heart, you have the word. That is the word of faith which we preach. Remember I said, we don't have to labor. We just have to believe. That's faith. We just have to believe. That's the word we're preaching this morning. Then it tells you what it is. That if, conditional, you're hearing the word this morning, the word is if, are you going to do this or will you, will you not do it? He says that if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your own mouth, the Lord Jesus, in other words, you tell somebody, I prayed with that man over there today, uh, 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 is it Facebook today? I prayed with that man and, and I know Jesus is in me. Once those words come out of your mouth to another human being, God takes over. He says the word is near you even in your heart and in your, in your mouth and in your heart. That if you say it, if you confess it, Jesus is now my Lord. He said, well, I used to go, I've been in church all my life. No, but have you really considered and you know for sure and you can tell somebody, I'm not joking. They tell you, I know you used to go to church. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, Jesus is now my Lord. They say, what? Really? Okay. 
<laughs> I thought you were a Christian. You went to church. I did. But now, Jesus is my Lord. I made Jesus my Lord. It's different. It's different. You say it. That if you confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, you got a mouth, just say it. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus yesterday, God, just believe in your heart. That's why I started with investigate it. If you can't believe it, investigate it. When you investigate, when you're through, God will show himself to you. And many have done this and their lives have been transformed. Many. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be delivered. You will be saved. You will be made righteous. You will be saved. Then it tells you why. For a human being, after Adam, the only way you can receive righteousness is through this. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. It doesn't say you, be, you walk unto righteousness. You forsake what you've been doing before unto righteousness. That's not what he's saying. He says you believe unto righteousness. You have to believe. That's all God is asking for you. It's made simple to you today. And I believe you understand it. Why don't you make that step? Take that step. And make a, a commitment to Christ. For, with, for means because, why you will be saved. He says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And then he tells you why. There is a law, a principle, just like the law of gravity. For with the mouth, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. What's the difference? Why confess? Which, uh, which, I mean, believe in your heart unto righteousness, and then you have to confess it unto salvation. What's the difference here? Because God can make you righteous, and if there's no manifestation, nobody can see the difference. But once you start saying it, once you start saying it, salvation comes, your freedom comes. That's the difference. Many people go to church, but they are afraid to talk to people about Jesus. They are afraid to talk to their friends about him. They may be righteous inside, but you can see their life is not going anywhere. And the unbelievers can see, you are not different from me, even though they say they believe in Jesus. Have you seen people say they believe in Jesus, but man, they act crazy? And it's constant. That's their life. They live life that way. But they go to church and they say they believe in Jesus, but no change. Their children don't see a change in them. They don't see any change in them. Why? Because no salvation yet. They believe, but they haven't confessed with their mouth. You know, whenever, whenever I'm in a crusade situation in Africa, uh, wherever I've been, the people come in numbers, there's hundreds of them, and it's so funny what happens. I, we pray the prayer, and they all confess Jesus and receive Jesus into their heart. And then they stand there looking at me. And I said, well now, you have to confess with your mouth. Tell each other that Jesus is now your Lord. You've made Jesus your Lord. And then they start doing it. And before long, you can see the smile. They're so happy. High-fiving each other, hugging each other. They're so happy. I can watch right before my eyes as the salvation is taking place in their heart, as they talk to one another. And they get into deep uh, discussions with one another. And you can tell something is transpiring. But after they prayed with me, they were just standing there. Yeah, we're saved now. But no joy. <laughs> but once they start talking, things change. I want you to believe today. And I want you to tell somebody. That's my message for you today. For those of you in your, in your house, Right there, Jesus brought healing to us. By his stripes, we were healed. Lay hands on your, your brother, your sister, and pray for them. If they are sick, God will heal them because of the resurrection. We believe that's the core of our, our ministry that God has given all of us. So do your ministry right there. <laughs> pray for one another. And for those of you that received Christ, want to receive Christ, I want you to pray with me today. I really want you to pray with me. And I guarantee you, just like he saved me many years ago and has kept me to this very day, 
He will do the same for you. Pray with me. Bow your heads right now and pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. Pray with me. There's a person there that's probably watching you going through uh, some kind of uh, headache. Uh, it's been bothering you and you don't, you're a little concerned. But God wants to heal you today. And just believe that God is healing you right now. But those of you, those of you that want to receive Christ, pray with me. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for sending your work to deliver me through your death and through your resurrection on the cross. I believe that you are the Lord of life. And Jesus, I receive you into my heart today and I make you Lord of my life. I call you with my mouth that you are my Savior. And I will tell my friends and family members I made the decision. Jesus is now my Savior and my God. I believe in what you've done and I receive your righteousness today. And I want to thank you, Father, for loving me and for caring for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, not only your family member, be bold enough to go out and tell somebody. I remember there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven and before his holy angel. So whenever you go out today and you tell somebody, you know, I prayed with that man. And I, Jesus is now my Lord. Guess what? In heaven, Jesus said, that's my boy. That's my God. And you angels, you better, that's my son. That's my daughter. Angels, uh, may be mindful of that. Go around and walk. Because the Bible tells us God has sent his angels to minister to us. And that makes us very special to him. Amen. Let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you for your word today. I believe those that were listening understood your word. And your word is taking hold of their lives. And they can never be the same again because of your great love for us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.